when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest Our lines are open for this Thursday morning, 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your comments. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 or indeed tweet this morning at C103Cork. You can always email jp at c103.ie. Ahead on the programme this morning, while TDs are due to receive a 1% pay increase, a Cork deputy is refusing to take the particular pay increase. Uh, we'll speak with Cork Southwest Deputy Michael Collins, who feels the money could be put to better use and why he has made this particular decision. Some people feel is it just a popular decision he is making or will this decision is there a reason why he is strong in his decision for not taking uh, the money. We'll speak with him in a few moments on the programme. And we're also going to discuss more on the nurses strike that is due to take place later this month. The date now has been sent for January the 30th for this particular strike and while many realise that nurses are under pressure in hospitals work-wise, others then do question the level of money that is paid out to public servants and why indeed public servants get so much money for starting off. Many say, well, they have degrees. But then those in the private sector say, we also have degrees. We don't get that big amount of money for starting off in a job. So even though everybody does agree that nurses' conditions are not great, people always question money. And when you have public servants looking for money, uh, those in other areas of the public service are watching it obviously are watching it intensely because if they, uh, one sector gets an increase, then they feel they can also and should get an increase. And then you have those in the private sector who will only get an increase if their company they are working for is doing well and can afford an increase. So when it comes to money, like everything, uh, there is a mixed divide on that particular issue. But I think overall, people do agree that the nurses are really up against it when it comes to work conditions and the working hours they have to do in hospitals a lot due to lack of resources. And then you have the union, the INMO and indeed the Department of Health trying to keep nurses here in Ireland as many look at the conditions and pay and will go off and work in London and indeed in the likes of Abu Dhabi, uh, Dubai, Canada and other countries. As we heard yesterday from nurses and indeed people who have nurses in their own families or friends who know they 
know have left because of better conditions in other countries. We're also going to hear how a Skibbereen group against a plastic factory is due to set up uh, well a Skibbereen group there against this particular plastic factory and this particular factory is due to be set up near the town of Skibbereen. The uh, Save Our Skibbereen group have been campaigning against this factory for the last year or so. Uh, they got planning permission initially from Cork County Council. Then Umborpanola uh, also gave them planning when they went to Umborpanola stage. So that factory due to be set up near the town of Skibbereen uh, in a place called Poundlick. So with that in mind then, people who were against the actual factory felt, no, we don't want this in our area. And a lot of discussion recently around plastics and indeed these type of factories Uh, with this in mind then they went off and they fundraised and there was buckets and there was concerts and there was a lot of things being put on over the last few months to raise money uh, to set up a judicial review against the factory and they have now raised enough money for that particular review and obviously they don't want the factory to go ahead we'll hear from that particular group and also from those who are behind the factory and indeed what are they saying to this because they have been getting planning so legally as they go through the planning process they have an entitlement now to go ahead with this uh, but the people in Skibbereen obviously are against this uh, for environmental reasons and for other reasons as well and we've seen a lot of talk recently about plastic and indeed on plastic waste and how we use plastic in this country and not only here indeed uh, across the world you can see now wherever you go uh, you will be noticing that you're getting coffee cups you're getting straws not as much plastic anymore and that is changing and has been changing some would say slowly but in the last year there's been a big push on retailers who have changed fairly fast and very rapidly especially over the last six months especially in urban areas when they have the flow to do that they can use up their plastic stocks and then uh, buy in more non-plastic items our guard file as well between now and one and if there is an animal within your house you have a question for well get in contact with us because our pet advice is along from 12.30 our vet Jane will be in studio later in the show answering all your pet questions so that and more to come between now and one today you can call us 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 2103 uh, by the way if you are on the roads this morning just be aware if you're in or travelling from the city towards East Cork there is an accident after occurring there within the last hour emergency services remain at the scene of a four car collision on the N25 it's westbound it's near Little Island so if you're in that particular area this morning uh, that is the reason why there is traffic queues there in that area Good morning to you our lines are open 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 and a lot of talk over the last week here on the show about our roads and our driving conditions and changes to rules of the road over the last number of years and drink driving and all of that a lot of people unhappy they were with Minister Shane Ross and what he has done since he has become Transport Minister. Well, Shane Ross himself had to come out and defend himself yesterday. This was because of canvassing his constituents in Dublin and he was doing this seemingly during the Christmas period. Uh, Mr Ross himself admitted while he was out canvassing on, wait for this, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, he was calling to doors of his own constituents in Dublin and he said they were a bit surprised to see him when he called to the doors during the festive break. Some, he insisted, were 
happy when he came to visit and others obviously weren't so happy to see him at their front door at Christmas, especially Christmas Eve. And he just said that he wanted to wish them Happy Christmas from their local minister. Uh, He said if he offended people, he was sorry, Uh, especially when he was canvassing on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. I think in, in one of those canvassing, he was wearing a Christmas hat, I think, at one stage. Anyhow, what would you do if you saw Shane Ross appearing at the door wishing you Happy Christmas? Christmas on Christmas Eve or Happy New Year on New Year's Eve and obviously he wouldn't be doing it here in Cork because it's Dublin where he's from but at the same time I think a few people got a a bit of a shock when they saw the Transport Minister at their front door especially doing that on a New Year's Eve or a Christmas Eve and I know we're speaking about the nurses later on in the show again and the pay increases that they are looking for or as they say themselves in the INMO the pay restoration that they are looking for well it seems in the first six working days of this year, the CEOs of the top 26 Irish companies pocketed more than the average worker will earn all year. That was revealed yesterday. That comes from the Irish Congress of Trade Unions. And their survey found that bosses' wages, including bonuses, long-term investment plans, benefits in kind and pensions, they now average 2.3 million euros. Isn't that a huge amount of money? Uh, what the big guys earn on top and you'd wonder indeed if they're all worth that and what exactly they're all doing some are very good you've got some great CEOs who really put effort into the company and then others you'd wonder do they just delegate everything and are they really worth that amount of money especially uh, these are presumably more public companies than private companies but uh, still a huge amount of money and we heard yesterday about the new grant that is coming for a walkway and cycleway for the grounds of Mallow Castle it also seems now uh, that there's going to be other projects on the pipeline and one of those includes moving the playground in the town park in Mallow to the castle grounds. So it seems that there's going to be a big move to really increase people visiting the Mallow Castle. I mean, it is a great amenity and it's been spoken about here on the show for many years and why they should do more with the Mallow Castle. And those were mentioned, the walkway, cycleways and putting something like a, an amenity playground or something like that at the site. And that seemingly is going to happen. So while the walkway and cycleway has been granted money, uh, at Mallow Castle it does now seem uh, that we'll also see the playground moving from the town park in Mallow to the castle grounds do you welcome that do you think it's a better fish for the playground in Mallow and also the HSE is advising this morning for people to be aware of symptoms of meningitis and this is following three deaths of people from the illness over the last few days uh, and from the last week of December a seemingly 11 cases of the disease has been reported since the last week of December. All age groups have been affected and those who haven't been vaccinated are being advised to do so from the HSC. Now, specialists in public health medicine with the HSC's Health Protection Surveillance Centre, that is Dr Susan Cotter, she spoke to our reporter earlier this morning and she says people need to be aware of the side effects. I want to raise people's awareness that the bug is circulating. People need to be aware of the signs and symptoms of meningitis and that it can cause also other symptoms are like septicemia. People can come out with a, a rash, with headache and fever, and they really are very unwell and they do need to seek immediate medical attention if they present with any of the symptoms that they think could be you know, meningitis. 
Dr Susan Carter from the HSC speaking to us earlier this morning to our reporter on that issue. So just be aware that uh, we've had so far uh, three deaths from meningitis in this country and the HSC advising people to be aware of the symptoms of that particular disease. Yesterday uh, on the show we were discussing with farming organisations this was to do with worries and concerns among farmers in the mid and north Cork areas of TB which was spreading in the north Cork area and in the McCroom area and ahead of that there is a meeting this evening at 7.30 in the Castle Hotel in McCroom where you can ask uh, questions that you may have if you know of areas of North Cork or Mid Cork where TB is spreading and you are a farmer and you are worried there is a meeting tonight the ICMSA are organising that meeting at 7.30 in the Castle Hotel in McCroom and a lot of blame was being put towards uh, development of wind turbines and that that was upsetting badgers and they were then roaming around areas and they were spreading the TB also deer was another reason people felt TB was being spread uh, because deer was running wild in the areas of uh, Mid Cork in the McCroom Lee Valley area and also in various areas of North Cork well on this a text after the show yesterday afternoon which has, says that cattle are TB tested annually in clear areas and more often in troubled areas wildlife are not until found dead in problem areas they could be vaccinated by baiting food in suitable locations but I guess that wouldn't be financially rewarding to the department. I agree with the comment and we had this comment just before the end of the show yesterday uh, that a lot of people feel that animals are kept in for too long now and kept in sheds for far longer than they are and that isn't good either for the animals so that this particular person agrees with that comment that uh, the cattle in farming housing units uh, like poultry, fish and indeed farm pins that that can be uh, very unhealthy and it can't be good for the particular animals and on that then yesterday afternoon we found out that a team uh, in Dublin's Phoenix Parks because uh, there was a call for culling of the deer yesterday on the show well it seems that, that did happen in Dublin Dublin's Phoenix Park uh, yesterday. In the Phoenix Park, 34 deer were culled yesterday afternoon. The Office of Public Works say it needs to keep the numbers of the animals down to a lower uh, the risk of disease and road accidents in the particular park. And those in charge say culls are carried out using best practices in consultation with a vet expert in deer wi- welfare. And I presume if they were going to do that here in Cork, uh, the same rules would apply. Uh, the carcasses, it seems, have been sold to a game deer approved by the Department of Agriculture. However, the National Animal Rights Association has previously called deer culls a money-making scheme by the department. So how do you feel about that? A lot of organisations feel we do need a deer cull following that TB outbreak in Mid and North Cork. Uh, But then a lot of the animal rights associations are saying it's a money-making scheme. And the Department of Agriculture have come out yesterday and when people were asking what happens to the deer... Uh, where have the carcasses been sold to or what is happening with the carcass they've been sold to a game dealer uh, which has been approved by the Department of Agriculture so your calls are welcome on that 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 you can email across the morning jp at c103.ie but on the way next that pay increase while we're speaking about the nurses not getting their paying a restoration that they are looking for from the INMO their union it seems TDs are going to receive a 1% pay increase at the start of this year, but one Cork TD isn't happy and not going to take it. Speaking to him next. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850 103. Now TDs will be entitled to another pay increase this year of 1% to further increase later in this year as well. And one Cork deputy who is not going to take the increase is Cork South West Deputy Michael Collins. He now joins me why he's not going to take the increase. So good morning to you, Michael. Come on, John Paul. Are you the only Cork today, as far as you know, not taking this particular increase? Yes, as far as I'm aware, I'm the only uh, TD in Cork uh, County uh, that's refusing, uh, refusing to take the increase. I've refused to take the increase uh, uh, under the Haddington Road, as they call it, agreement uh, increases for TDs. Um, and I've refused to take them since I came into the dog. There's been a number of them uh, to date. And, you know, I faced the electorate. Uh, people knew uh, when I was facing the electorate what, what I was going to be earning. And I feel that I'll face the electorate, electorate again uh, in, at some time in the near future. And they'll, uh, you know, know that I stood by uh, the agreement that I signed up to uh, before them at that time. And this particular increase now, there was an increase last year. It's linked to the, as you mentioned, the Hallington Road and the increases for those in civil servants. So you're just automatically getting this particular increase. And then there's a further increase later this particular year. Uh, why do you think these increases are coming? Is it for? It's obviously the workers and the civil servants are, are looking for these and they are getting those. But do you think there should be something separate for those then in office like yourselves and others who are linked to this particular increase to civil servants? Well, I suppose some of the TDs are uh, here longer than myself have, have told me that they had a loss of income uh, over the last number of years and they feel that this is justified. You know, the increase is justified now uh, going forward. Uh, and that's the reason why they're accepting uh, the increase, John Paul. But you know the way I see it is people are struggling out there, and there's no point in, in anyone denying that because that is a true fact. Families are struggling to pay mortgages, pay college fees, and pay their daily living expenses. I know people. You know the senior citizens got five euros increase in their pension um, in the last budget. The women, you know, the homemakers have had their pension entitlements cut for the, since the Fine Gael Labour government's decision gone back um, a number of years ago and are now struggling to get some of that money back. But they find no problem to put, to put their, their hand in their own coffer, into the coffers and take it out for themselves. And we can't do that. And we have to understand the suffering that people are there. And my, my personal view on this is that politicians are completely out of touch with what the people are feeling on the ground. And they're not feeling very... Um, they're not happy. But with the money, uh, Michael, that, that this increase, I don't know how much this increase would be worth to yourself, but let's say if it was, I'll, I'll just throw the figure of 5,000 euros, let's say, that particular 5,000 euros, if that was an increase for a particular politician for this part of the year, if you go back and say this to the powers that be in Leinster House, they'll just say, well, we can't use the money to go into pensions, to go into public services. That money is allocated for pay increases. So if you're not going to take it, it's just going to be sitting there. Uh, is that a waste? Then? Is there a way that they can change that way of thinking? So so that the money that you're not taking can be invested into what you mentioned there, like pensions, like public services. Well, there can be a lot of cases made for, we'll say, if I decide, we'll say, to take the increase, uh, John Paul, and uh, I could have put, say, given it to charity. A lot of people have said that to me. Maybe you could consider giving it to charity. No, at the mm-hmm. moment, like you've anything up to 5000 a year out of my wages to charity because I get a lot of... Every weekend, there's two or three envelopes and, and, and people requesting funding throughout West Cork for various charities, very genuine charities. And I try and give something towards everything. Uh, but I wanted to send a message uh, to the government. Uh, I want to send a message to the government to find a mechanism to make sure that this money goes back to the people that need this money um, and, and and not for us to be putting our hands into the into the coffers, as I said earlier, and, and, and taking these increases without... Um, 
basically without talking or, or the public having any decision uh, in this in this in this decision making process. So the only way I can do it at the present time is to sh- make sure that I will not take the increase and continue to, uh, to refuse the increase at all times. John Paul, there's, there's, as I said to you, there's a lot of people struggling at this very time, and there's a lot of people very angry at this very time. You talk to a restaurant, you talk to publicans who are, I think there's, there's, there's an enormous pressure on publicans at the moment to for their business to survive, and they look up. At, at the decision makers, us, the politicians, who should have helped them to survive. And what do we do? We've helped to close their businesses, basically. And now we decided to pat ourselves on the back with an increase uh, of, of pay. And it didn't what when I faced the electorate, my wages were a certain fee. Everybody knew that. And that's the way I have decided that I'm going to continue on that same fee until I face the electorate again. Or the nurses, Michael. The nurses are, are campaigning for their pay restoration as well. Leah Vryker has come out and said there will be no extra pay for them outside of what they are due this year and increases but then they're looking towards you guys and seeing your pay restoration going ahead but yes the INMO had to fight for the nurses and, and and rightly so because nurses carry out some such huge uh, and, and, and and great work uh, during the year we saw even last night on television an operating a maternity operating theatre in CUH completed for the last two years but there's no money to put staff in it so, like, we, we, we're making these beautiful announcements up here where there's a million here, a million there, two million here, ten million there. Nothing's happening on the ground. They can't open the doors uh, for two years after even some of the buildings being put in place. These nurses need a pay increase. They need to be respected for the work they carry out. They've been totally disrespected in some of the comments here about they're working over Christmas or whatever. They're, these people are working flat out. And, and they're getting little or no respect for that here. And I think, unfortunately, they haven't faced t- going out on strike, which could be extremely damaging uh, going forward. And, and uh, before, before someone sits up and takes, takes notice here, well, we have no problem in, in, in the last number of years taking 5,400 euros into, into, the, into the politicians' back pockets. It's, it's immoral at, these, at this present time, and it's wrong. And I'm pleading with the government, and I'd be pleading from the, on the floor of the government not, not to stop this. You have to stop this, like, and you have to set an example, and you have to let the people know that you are in touch with what is reality on the ground. And reality on the ground is very, very difficult. Jean Paul and West Cork, the constituency I represent, and it's the same all over Ireland because I travel quite a lot and meet quite a lot of people in Ireland that are telling me the same story. Have and you ever taken an increase, Michael, while you have been at TD in Dolly Ireland? No. Never. No, I haven't. I refuse to take the increase. Continuously, I've signed a waiver for that. I call into the office once it's announced. Sometimes I might have to wait two or three weeks. I signed a waiver refusing. My right to take an increase uh, since since I came into the door. I felt, you know, I faced the electorate um, with, 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 as I said, that with um, our, our pay, it was up front, there was no denying it, and that's what I stuck to. But uh, since that, uh, our, the, the powers that be in this government are continuously raising the uh, the pay of, of, of the, uh, the politician, and I think it sends a very, very negative message to the people out there that are struggling, that are losing their homes, that are really going through difficult times, and we're here, as they think, lining our pockets. We work very long I fully accept that. Um, I, I travel up to three thousand kilometres a week, um, you know, and, and and maybe work up to one hundred and twenty hours a week. Um, maybe some people don't realise that that's what we do, but that's what we face. Uh, I, I face the people knowing that I've done that, and I hope at the end of the, the term that people will accept that I was as fair as I could be uh, as a politician to the people of Westcar. And I know I mentioned how the money may be ring-fenced and used for other services and that can happen at the moment. But do you actually know what happens when you go in and sign that waiver out of interest? Any idea what happens when the money isn't given to you for the increase? Is it just sitting there in, in some pocket somewhere? In Linster House, a pocket of money? And does it just go around in a circle again or is it reinvested? What's the story with the money I, then that TDs don't take? 
well, my assumption is that the money is goes back to the state as such. Like it doesn't, it's not paid into one individual. And mm-hmm. If the money isn't paid, it's, it's it's back in the state coffers. As as I said earlier on, there's probably if I sat down maybe and decided, okay, I'm going to take it, I'm going to give it to a charity. But then you see, it gets very complicated. It's very hard to put one charity above another charity because they're they're also deserving of the money. And I feel that it's a, a better, a clearer message, and I can speak more with a clearer voice in the doll if I state I haven't taken it. Why are you taking it? Uh, you shouldn't take it, basically. And that's, you, you know, I mean, if, if if they were honest about it, they should have known this Haddington Road Agreement was coming up. They should have been, before when they were running for election, they should have said, OK, we're going to be earning such a thing. Now. We're going to be earning 5,400 in the next two to three years. you all quite happy with that. I can assure you the people of Ireland would have sat up and, and would have, uh, there would have been a furore uh, of, of argument against that. What do you say, Michael, to your fellow Cork TDs, those who are taking the money? And many of those might agree with yourself uh, and they can't say it publicly because they're part of a party and the party whip will be after them. For example, those in Fianna Gael or Fianna Fáil who may have the same thinking as you, but because they are within a party, they can't do what you were doing. And what do you say to those TDs who were caught in that situation? Well, well, they, and a lot of situations they might find it difficult if they're in a party. I accept that, but they can still waver their uh, pay increase. They're, 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 it's not forced on them uh, by uh, by by the party that they have to take the pay increase. They can easily waver that, and I think that each individual should, should consider that. Maybe uh, again, I can't answer for the parties. Have they sat down and say, decided that uh, we're we're all going to take it or we're not all going to take it? My assumption is that they have the freedom to either accept or not accept, and they have decided to accept some. Politicians will argue the point of me saying we didn't get an increase for a number of years. That's, that's their argument. Some more will argue the point that uh, they're giving their money to charity. That's their argument. I'm giving money to charity. I'm 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 uh, sorry, quite a lot of expenses myself uh, as a politician, but I face the people with what they knew I was earning, and I, I'm going to continue that until the next general election, and at least uh, let people make up their own mind whether I was right or wrong in, yeah. uh, at that uh, jump up. But many might say, Michael, that you know you are earning, a, regardless of pay increases, you're on a very good wage, and that with that particular big wage, refusing those pay increases isn't going to make a huge difference. So is it a populist move that you were doing here for votes or to make your name for yourself? Well, you know, uh, people will say that, uh, John Paul, I, uh, like, we are in a good wage. I accept that. Fifty uh, percent of my wage is taxed, um, so people probably don't realise that it is. Uh, but that's that's the system we live in, and I, I have to accept that. Um, I could easily um, take the pay increase and keep my mouth shut, but I want to stand with the people, and that's the difference. Uh, I want to make an Irish policy that you stand with the people and stay with the people, and that you are aware of what the people are feeling on the ground, and they're feeling a bit let down. Uh, genuinely let down by politicians on a number of issues as I mentioned out to you. Just look at the schools. I mean, I'm involved in the school board of management myself. Uh, our capitation grant has been cut continuously. We're out fundraising. Imagine fundraising to keep the doors of the school open. I mean, what message does that send uh, to, 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 to people on the ground? You're fundraising to keep your doors open in your school but your politicians are not in any way, shape or form facing people that are, and, and asking them, is it okay for them to take an increase like this? You know, we have to have some kind of moral compass going forward. And and if you're if you're working with the people on the ground, you will know the way the people are suffering, and you will work with them. And and you know, I have the same situation with farmers, with fishermen. Everyone is struggling at this present time. Very few in rural Ireland are, are thriving. 
Very, very few. And is it a case that maybe you have too many Dublin TDs, too many Dublin civil servants making those decisions within Leinster House who are living in the Dublin and the the wider commuter belt where uh, you know yourself, you're up and down there uh, during the week. It is busier and the sense that there is, obviously there's people struggling there as well, but it doesn't look that way when you walk around the city and you're walking around Kildare Streets. Is that a problem that they're, they're all touch what's happening in the likes of Cork, in the likes of County Clare, in Galway, in Mayo, because of the bubble they're living in, uh, in and around Leinster House? Yes, indeed. That could be said, but John Paul, each and every politician, you know, in rural Ireland has a decision to make on, on, on this decision, and a decision to make on many other decisions here in Dal Ireland. And, and I mean, look, I mean, I don't want to, we won't go down the road of the, what happened with the, the road traffic bill and the, and the, and the cause of severe hardship it's causing to the people of rural Ireland. And they realise it now. Even the government politicians realise it now. They had their feet on the ground when the decision was made, which will lead to the closure of numerous pubs and, 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 and a lot of distress to a lot of people that are trying to go about their daily lives. So there's no, they're completely out of touch with what's reality. And unfortunately, they're making decisions and the three main uh, political parties voted in favour of that at the time. And then they're going back to their constituency and realising two months later, my God, what have we done here? We've created a mess. We're going to cause unemployment. Did you see the nine percent to thirteen and a half percent increase in the in the VAT for tourism? That's a cause of stress to a lot of businesses that are going out there at the moment, and to people that are buying the product now finding themselves in it. Maybe saying, "Do we need to go to the cafe? Do we need to go uh, to the restaurant?" Maybe you know it's costing us far more than what what we have at the moment in our pay. So people are working. They're saying there's more work, work out there. There may be more work out there, but it's 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 low paid work, mm. and people are struggling. Very, and contract very work as well, which means you're not permanent. Yes, and we're looking at a Taoiseach shouting about extra property tax so he can pump up extra monies for Dublin, talking about carbon tax. Where are they going to stop with this? Are we soon going to get a, um, a you know, our living air tax or something? You know, which is, it's, it's, it's incredible. And this is, a, this is one increase that I think, and, and, and the continued on the increase under the Haddington Road Agreement was one way that the politician out there could say to the people, well, we're not putting our hands into the coffers here for ourselves. So we're equally struggling and going to continue to struggle with you. And some, most of them have, have decided not to do that, but I'm not one of those. Briefly, Michael, the expenses you earn as well, do they need to be reviewed? Because if you don't get it in your wages, a lot of people will say you get it in your expenses. Well, the, the expenses that we'll say, I, I can only talk for myself in fairness. I don't want to talk about other uh, politicians' expenses. The expenses, first of all, I, as I said to you earlier, on, I drive up to 3,000 kilometres a week. Um, and the, I have two offices in, in, in West Cork. And, and I find that I use all of my expenses and I eat into my wages with the, because my expenses are not enough. That's, that maybe people might find that difficult to believe. But I can tell you, pulling up to the filling station, uh, maybe every two days, filling your, 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 your car with which I didn't have no issue with. But the expenses are there and I have to pay for my offices and the running of the offices or whatever. And... Um, I, as I say, each and every month, we get paid once a month, I find that I'm taking out of my wage, my monthly wage, instead of my monthly expenses, to pay some of those uh, expenses going forward. So the expenses in itself just about cover for a lot of politicians what their expenses are. Um, and if you're paying, you know, uh, you have to pay for your office, whether it is in Bendon, Skibrina, Bantry, doesn't matter where the office if you have offices you must pay for them once a month and, and you must pay for the running of those offices and that's where your expenses are eaten up uh, into 
Okay, I, I could go on about expenses all morning about you and, and raise the arguments, but I must move on. Uh, very briefly, Michael, uh, KPC Bank, you stormed that bank before Christmas in response to what happened in Roscommon, in response to the way they are dealing with people who were in trouble uh, with their mortgages and indeed other banks likewise. You were due to get a meeting with senior management who didn't meet you when you stormed the bank, but they said they would come back to you and meet in January. Are you going to meet them? Yes, we met with him uh, yesterday, John Paul. Uh, that was the, the agreement. Uh, we, we, we were in the bank uh, 10 months previous to the, the December uh, storming of the bank, basically. Uh, and we looked for, to meet senior officials at KBC. They refused to meet with us. We, uh, I took unfinished business. And the last days at all, we entered the bank. We stayed there seven hours, over seven hours. And an agreement was made that they would meet with us, uh, which happened. That meeting was scheduled to take place yesterday. It did happen. We met here in, 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 in the doll, in, in the house. Uh, we had detailed discussions on a number of issues. We are to meet with them in early February. At least the lines of communication now have been opened mm-hmm. with KBC. Other banks also, we've uh, decided to discuss it. One of the biggest things, uh, John Paul, is that we're pushing for an independent media are now to be put in place because my fight the whole time is with uh, people that want to pay banks but might be going through a difficult period, might be going through a year or two of difficulty, lost a job, ill health. There's a number of genuine reasons that people are struggling, but they do want to pay. And the people that I meet sit in my office, they're petrified. They get a letter, they know the headline, they know, uh, at, at looking at the envelope, what it is, they, they're afraid to open the envelope. Now, what I've asked the bank is to step back and to that independent mediators be uh, appointed. They be funded by the bank, not paid directly by the banks, because sometimes people feel that they're owned by the bank. They will be funded through, through by the state. The banks would fund the state, and the state would fund the independent mediators. And remember, you know, these banks are to, to get these eviction orders to get this, are paying barristers anything up to sixty-eight thousand euros. So by by appointing these independent mediators as such, they act as a liaison between the the, the the family who have the farm or the, what the business or the or the home that's they're, they're in stressed mortgages. And in most cases, I can guarantee you, if there's a proper mediator put in place, maybe it's just a farmer needs to set a little cart section of ground to get out of this problem that they can't do if they're if they're faced with the bank and they feel they're being bullied into a corner. I think this is a, 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 a way that the bank could win and that the customer could win. It's, it's one way. Uh, there's another number of um, issues we raised yesterday um, that we politicians need a direct line to the banks. We need we have our you know with a lot of uh, government agencies out there we have direct lines to them because we're meeting this at the call when I'm meeting in every in the constituency every week and people that have stressed mortgages, people that are in difficulties with the banks. I have no way at times only writing to someone and hoping I get a letter back that has to stop. And I think they took that very much on board, uh, KBC, that we have to look at the, the banking bodies as such. And these, um, requ- uh, I suppose, uh, uh, requests that we put in front of these yesterday has to be put right across the road, uh, right across the, the ground to every other uh, bank that's out there, John Paul. And did KBC, did I feel they were too heavy-handed when you were speaking about the evictions? Obviously, Roscommon was one, but there's been others over the last number of years. Uh, what did they say about the way they've dealt with those particular evictions? I, they were slow and making much comment about, I suppose, the the, the, the recent one in Strokes mm-hmm. because they said they have made no public comment on it. But I, I think they, without uh, they saying it, I think I think we we have a feeling that that they're willing to talk now. As I said, ten months ago they wouldn't have spoken to us, and we made several efforts to to between to talk to the bank and open up discussions so that we wouldn't have led to many situations that have been led to in Strokes or other places. But uh, I think they've, they've realised that they made a serious mistake here. We've also discussed this with them yesterday about the unlicensed people, or I call them thugs, evicting people. They're unlicensed. It's been well known. Even the very simple thing, I said, where the guard evicted? 
Mm. We, everything we're doing down here is caravated. If you want to, if you want to provide meals and wheels, you have to caravate yourself. And these people can come in and literally lift people by the top of their head and kick them out their their gates. And they're unlicensed. Nobody knows who they are, what they are. I mean, we we, we put that point across that they, like there has to be on, an understanding. People do have to pay the debts that they owe, but they cannot be bullied into paying the debts that they owe. They have to work with the bank and people who were given loans in 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 far greater times. Their wages have maybe decreased. Some people might be going through health issues. We have a lot of serious and very genuine reasons. And as I said earlier, I know of people who get the letters and freeze, mentally freeze, and are unable to open that letter. Mentally, they just think. And there are situations where husbands are not telling wives and, and maybe vice versa because of the stress and the upset and the mental stress that causes is enormous. And that's the point we try to get across the KBC. You've got to back off here, an independent mediator, someone that has a, has, is well professional, sit down with the families, go through what can can be done going forward and daily is back to the bank and make sure that the bank are comfortable with, with, with new uh, conditions uh, put before them. And I think that's a possibility and I think it's something that all banks have got to look at because we're talking about tens of thousands of stressed mortgages out there being sold to vulture funds. It's very, very serious, John Paul. The next 12 months are going to be extremely serious in that situation uh, for the people of this country. Well, at least now we have some line of communication that those in Leinster House have towards the banks and hopefully that will continue for all banks to carry out their business like we saw uh, over the last year or so when it comes to evictions for the moment Michael thanks for joining us this morning that is Cork South West Deputy Michael Collins Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 The group opposing the construction of a plastic production factory near Skibbereen have now raised enough money to apply for a judicial review Brendan McCarthy joins me from the group Saver Skibbereen good morning to you Brendan Good morning, Jamal. Now, I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for joining us. This, first of all, a plastics factory that many will say they weren't aware was going to go ahead near Skibbereen Town. Uh, then it got planning permission during the summer from Cork County Council and then from Onboard Planola at the next planning stage. So it's approved now by Onboard Planola. And then I think when that happened, a lot of locals got together. They weren't aware of this particular factory Everything with plastic is in the news at the moment for various reasons. And I think it was, initially it was a group of 20 or 30. That has grown now over time. People who were against this particular factory going ahead. How did you raise the money that you have now for this particular <coughs> review? Yeah, we had a public meeting in just before Christmas, but a week before Christmas when the Dumbarton-Ala decision was <coughs> made known to us. Um, and I've never seen such a crowd at a public meeting in Skibbereen. There was over 400 people packed into the West Cork Hotel function room. And everyone was hugely, hugely supportive of our campaign. So that was a huge boost to me and to all of us, small group that was have been involved. And, you know, we, we've we been working for the last 12 months. It's almost exactly 12 months ago tomorrow that we had our first public meeting. Um, and, you know, that was <clears throat> why the appeal was in. We weren't just sitting on our hands waiting for the results. We were working actively on the ground strategy to get public awareness up and running that when and if this decision came and it wasn't the decision we wanted, we were ready to hit the ground running with the next step, which is looking for a judicial review. So we had a public meeting and a huge response to it. And no one in the room spoke on the other side, you know, and, I, and all over Christmas I've met people everywhere on the street, in the farmer's market, in the shops, all in Skibbereen and other places around, and everyone is on to me about it. And there's no one wants this factory. And anyone that does, you know, please come and talk to us and we'll, you know, there's nothing to be gained, but it boils down to a simple question I tell people, do you want to build a plastics factory in anywhere in Ireland, in, in anywhere in the world, considering the year that we've just had and talking about plastics, as you just said, um, and people, like, you know, 
they obviously have made that decision. Within 48 hours of that public meeting, we had about 8,000 made between people donating the basket at the back of the room and people donating through our website, www.saveourskipperim.ie. Obviously, there was a bit of a slowdown over the Christmas itself, to be un- to be expected to be understood, but we have reached that 15,000, which is our initial target. And we've stressed that on the night and since, and people are aware of that, that it's, it's not... That's not the total cost, and look, that's another question for another day. It's should communities be asked to pay this? And it's happening in Bantry, it's happening in Cork Harbour, it's happening in Ringskiddy about people having to dip into their own pockets and pay to pay for, for judicial reviews to stop ridiculous decisions that should have been stopped before they ever get to that stage. And you've got also support from a lot of well-known names and celebs as well, some living in the area, some not uh, from the UK though who might visit the area. Uh, With this particular plastic site and what you mentioned there with the review, do you know now when your review will go ahead? Have you worked on that and how soon will the review happen? Yeah, it's again, we've been planning for that as well since spring of last year. Um, There is a defined time period. It's slightly extended because this decision happened just before Christmas and the Christmas period is taken into account. But our time frame is the end of January, so in the next couple of weeks. And we've been in touch with legal people in Dublin and um, met with solicitors and barristers before that public meeting once we got the decision. And it boils down to, you know, it's basically black and white, a legal interpretation and a legal error on behalf of Ambor Planola. And that's what we are looking to that's the next step of it. The next step of it. And our solicitors are very confident that we have sufficient grounds to get that judicial review up and running. What would your group say then to maybe some in the area when this news was coming out initially there was some who thought well this will bring jobs to the area yeah. and jobs to rural Ireland which we all need and want. What would you say to those arguments? Absolutely yeah and none of us are anti-jobs and I've always said that I've been in town council myself for 10 years my family were involved in business for 30 or 40 years we've employed loads of people and none of us are against jobs but there's so many better jobs existing in the area and in creation the same day that this Bortonala decision was announced there was a decision announced for Ludgate which will create up to 300 jobs in Skibreen over the next few years they're all excellent positive jobs sustainable no pollution attached there's like what comes in and goes out is on a phone line that's not trucks passing through the town streets and narrow streets of the town are down the N71 which is already a nightmare at the moment um, there's so much better jobs there's tourism there's food West Cork and Cork is such a leader in the country as the place in Ireland for when you talk to anyone outside of Ireland about food and the quality of our food producers here organic food Michelin star three new Michelin star restaurants in Cork announced in the last couple of months we're on the Wild Atlantic Way which has been a phenomenal success in terms of tourism um, farming, fishing, as I said, green ways. There's so much of a better future. Like, are we going to? And people are still talking about it. And I know they are. Just realistically, here in this, as though 12 to 15 jobs in a plastics factory. It just does not fit in with all of the other things that are happening here at the moment. Okay, uh, well, we did get on to the company which are behind this particular plastics factory, which will be uh, planned anyhow for Pound Lake near Skibbereen. The company are called RTP Company. Now, they're not joining us on air, uh, but they have issued us with a statement and they say that they welcome the decision of Cork County Council to grant planning permission for their project in Skibbereen, which gave due consideration to the observance and, and observations received uh, from local residents. Uh, they also welcome the decision of on board Planola to affirm the 
Cork County Council's original determination to grant planning permission. We look forward to expanding our service to both Irish and European medical device manufacturers and others with high-end special products once the manufacturing facility is completed in accordance with planning permission. So they're very much ready to go ahead with this particular factory and they are welcoming the decisions there by Ambor Planola. So it is really up to this review now because legally they have done nothing you know, wrong. They're, they're, they've gone through the legal hoops. So this review is the only thing that you guys are, are looking into. And are you hopeful for this review now when it does get we carried are out? Certainly, we are certainly very hopeful and our legal representatives are very confident that we have sufficient grounds to take it the next step. We There's two steps involved in the judicial review. The first is get through the first hurdle and then you get put on a list and that can take, you know, it can take a year, it can take 18 months, it can take two years. <clears throat> we don't know how long it's going to take, but we're in this certainly for the long haul. And it was very heartening to us involved that within uh, the week of the meeting and within a few weeks of the meeting, taking Christmas into account, we've reached our initial target of 15,000. We're not alone in this. This is not wanted down here and people visiting the area home for Christmas, they do not, they can't believe that such yeah, a thing is being comprehended is here. Up. And, you know, whatever RTP say, you know, if I was RTP, I wouldn't like to go into community where there's absolutely no one wants OK, well, for the moment, I'm sure it's something that we will continue to discuss over the course of 2019. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, That's uh, Brendan McCarthy there from the Save Our Skibbereen Group. Views welcome. 1850-333-103. More on the nurses' strike and your calls and comments on the way. Bernie takes your calls and comments this morning. You can call her on 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can tweet us this morning at C103Corker. Email across the show jp at c103.ie. Uh, conversation there with Michael Collins, he did mention uh, about the fact that, he, well first of all he's not taking the wage increase that TDs are due to get, he is uh, refusing to take the actual wage increase some other independents across the country are doing the same and uh, he did refer to how people in Ireland at the moment are struggling and he feels some of those in Leinster House and on Kildare Street don't see that and aren't aware of what is happening on the ground, that is why he's refusing to take uh, that 1% pay increase that TDs are due to receive this month. Well, on that, he did mention how publicans and cafes now are finding it tough because of the increase in VAT. Michael in Castletown Bear reacting to that, saying, John Paul, listening to Collins uh, pontificating about wage increases on the show, the VAT increase on the hospitality group presently on a five euro sandwich with the VAT at 9% is 45 cent. That will make the sandwich 5.45 with the VAT going to 13.5% then it should become and will become up to 65 cents. So that will make the VAT on the sandwich go to 5.65 and that of course is an increase of 20 cents. Now Michael's asking the question with an increase of 20 cents on the sandwich so the sandwich will go from uh, whatever, let's say from 5.45 to 5.65 now, he wants to know, will that close all cafes and restaurants and shops? Is it supposed to close them? I doubt it, says Michael in Castletown Bears. Would you agree with Michael on that? Uh, the example he's giving five euros for a sandwich, the VAT at 9%, it's 45 cents, that makes it 5.45. Then with the VAT now at 13.5%, we're paying 5.65 for that particular sandwich, 20 cents. Will that make a difference to coffee shops? 
Is Michael Collins wrong to say that some will close because of the VAT increase? Your views are welcome on that. Michael and Casatambera, thanks for your WhatsApp to 86 While Christy in Tipaglanton says, fair play to Michael Collins for not taking the pay increase. His decision is in sharp contrast to our junior ministers whose salary is 40,000 more than a TD. Yet they sought an increase before Christmas as they claim they found it difficult to stay in Dublin for a couple of nights. They seem to forget that many of their constituents on a fraction of their benefits are forced to live in Dublin and other such areas or maybe must commute long distances but they must get on with it and pay their own way. At least Michael Collins and a few more independents are working for the people on the ground and have the understanding of what people are going through uh, says Christy in Temple Glanton on text 86 on the issue of coffee and cafes and all of that going up. A number of texts have come in since Michael Collins did mention that about the uh, VAT increase and people have noticed that over the last week or so. A texter in McCroom saying all the prices have gone up in coffee shops in our area. While Derry says I was in for a coffee in a petrol station recently in the last week or so. It was usually 2.80. Now it's gone up to €3 on the machine. I presume that is because of the VAT rate and yes, that would be one of the reasons and I'm sure many have noticed that over the last while. If you notice, if you're going to even grab a coffee in one of the petrol stations or shops where you self-serve in the machine, they have increased over the last week. And Nora says, I have noticed coffee's gone up. And indeed, I went into my local uh, cafe. I usually get a coffee and it's gone. Some mornings we meet up with friends and the increase was, again, 20 to 30 cent, which I didn't mind. But I did ask the person in the counter because usually I have the same change that I would have to give and pay for the coffee coffee and scone and they told me it was increased because of the VAT rate going up. They apologised for that but they said they could do nothing about it. The VAT rate increased and they had to cover their costs because of the increase in VAT now to 13.5%. So uh, Nora, thank you for your call on 1850-333-103. I mentioned earlier as well uh, about Shane Ross and that he over the Christmas period decided to go canvassing and wishing his constituents in Dublin a happy Christmas and happy new year he did this on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve but not everybody was happy to see Shane Ross at their front door a lot of his constituents weren't impressed and I was asking what would you do if you were happy or not if you saw Shane Ross on your front door on Christmas Eve or indeed on New Year's Eve if you were getting ready to celebrate the new year Uh, mixed views on that Pat says that Shane Ross has offended Everybody in rural Ireland, he has this country destroyed, would not be welcome, says Pat. Uh, while John says, if I saw Shane Ross at my front door on a New Year's Eve, I would question him about every decision he has made against rural Ireland. And does he really know what it is like to live in an area with no public transport? Uh, Jack says, I would bring Shane Ross in and then ask him, will we go out somewhere? Not even for a drink, just to go somewhere. And we'll say to him, let's get the bus and go out my front door on a rural country road and then walk to the main road and say, we'll see, can we get the bus here? And let's say how he deals with living in a rural area with no public transport unless you drive to the nearest town that then might only have three buses a day uh, says Jack and uh, Dermot on text saying I would bring Shane Ross out for a drink and make him get his own way home uh, says Dermot some of the thoughts from people what they would do if they came across Shane Ross on the door I do see a text in uh, from Maria who said she closed the door in his face but then uh, another texter here 
here uh, Noreen uh, says that she would welcome Shin Ross in I think he has done good for the people of Ireland the laws that we had needed changing I agree uh, what he has done regarding driving rules and regulations for drink driving and other offences in this country well done Shane Ross so I would welcome him into my home if he came canvassing uh, says that, that particular person Noreen on text 0862103103 uh, we spoke earlier with Brenda McCarthy from the group Skibbereen says no and this is to do or save our Skibbereen and this is to do uh, with the plastics factory that is well it's got granted planning permission uh, Planola uh, granted planning permission just before Christmas and there is a lot of people in the area who were against the plastic factory from being set up because they uh, are against plastics and what we have heard in the last year or so to do with plastics and how things are changing against the, the use of plastic and you can see that evidently no matter where you go across the country especially in the last six months so they basically do not want a plastics factory on their doorstep in the Skibbereen area it's due to be uh, constructed or, or located in the Poundlick area near Skibbereen town well on that because I did ask him about jobs and he goes at the, uh, and the group in general uh, were not against jobs coming to Skibbereen welcome jobs but they felt that this was the wrong industry to bring jobs to Skibbereen 4 he felt go down the road of tourism like we have done he says in Skibbereen and Ludgate and all of those well Rob is in the West Cork area and Rob says what's the big deal about the plastics factory it's creating jobs what new job has Ludgate created all these jobs were already there people were working from home and now they're just in Ludgate so the whole thing has been exaggerated bring on the plastics factory we're not all against it it's just a small few big headed people that thinks it's not good enough for them. Uh, says Rob, who I presume is living somewhere in and around the area of West Cork of the Plastics Factory. Rob, thank you for your text. Your view, welcome on that. Uh, Rob, thanks uh, and welcomes the Plastics Factory to the area. 86 or text number you can call Bernie 1850 I know we were having transmission problems earlier on in the north and east Cork area and also areas of the city. Uh, I think that has been rectified now at this stage. Because of that, uh, some people might not have heard some aspects of the show. And one thing we did mention and this was to do and you would have heard this yesterday uh, money granted on our news service uh, for a walkway and cycleway on the grounds of Mallow Castle and while well, everybody welcomed that uh, something else that is, has been revealed while that news was coming out I'd just like to get your thoughts on that as they really expand Mallow Castle because it is an amenity that should be used a beautiful amenity and many felt over the years in Mallow uh, that this particular castle should be used more well now the walkway and cycleway will uh, be developed at the grounds of Mallow Castle but also in the pipeline is moving the playground that that's currently in the town park in Mallow to the castle grounds. So your views on that, would you agree with that? Do you think it's better and safer to have that particular playground based now in Mallow Castle and build that amenity and have it a real community sense there in that particular area of Mallow Castle. Your views on that uh, and how Mallow Castle is going to be developed it seems a lot more over the last uh, or over the next number of years and just on Mallow uh, somebody on WhatsApp here and I'd like to get your opinion on this because every year from various towns people have their opinion on the Christmas lights and then we get texts from volunteers who will say well if people are are offended by the lights and are happy by the lights but why don't they then make contact with the volunteers who erect them every year and see can they get involved themselves and help people that are doing their best to put up Christmas lights rather than cribbing about the lights well this uh, text has come in regarding the Christmas lights in Mallow 
And the person on WhatsApp actually came in and says, now that it's time for the Christmas lights to come down, does anyone else think that the lights in Mallow are a huge disappointment? It's like a town divided. The spa, the plaza and O'Brien Street have beautiful lights. The rest of the town, though, has tatty lights with bulbs blown and bits missing. I've been on to and I've been to a lot of towns and local towns here in Cork over Christmas and you can see the pride they have in their towns. Uh, Mallow lights according to this particular person on WhatsApp, are so disappointing. Do you agree with that particular person? Uh, that while though there is uh, beautiful lights, this person says, in the spa and the plaza and O'Brien Street in Mallow, other areas of Mallow Town do not have good Christmas lights and they could be a lot better. This person describes them as tatty with bulbs blown and bits missing. Your views on that for Mallow? Uh, do you think there should be maybe a whole new lighting system for Mallow? But how would that work? Where would the money come from? And what about all those volunteers that people are not happy? Why don't they get involved? Some would say then and fundraise for new lights or indeed campaign to the council for new lights and get involved in erecting the particular lights. I don't know who puts up the lights in Mallow. I know most towns uh, they would get help from the council but a lot all of it is done through voluntary work, I presume similar uh, in Mallow. Let us know, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the way shortly, uh, speaking to the INMO, their reaction to what has been happening over the last few days and the announcement they have made regarding nurses going on strike. We heard from nurses yesterday, we'll speak to the union today on their view and why they have felt they need to strike knowing that it would put extra pressure on Cork hospitals. We'll speak to the INMO very shortly. And also, because of the waiting times in A&E's, we've heard about for the last few days an increased trolley numbers from the Trolley Watch. Our reporter Fiona Corcoran went to see UH yesterday. She spoke to those who are on trolleys, who are waiting in A&E and are waiting to be seen by doctors and nurses who are under severe pressure which is evident when you walk into the particular hospital. We'll hear from those patients who were in a yesterday as well before one this afternoon. Lines open 1850 C103 Jobs And on today's job spot opportunities for a fast food assistant required for a busy takeaway in Bandon experience is essential. Full and part-time hours are available. Send your CV to info at daniels.ie. The Harbour Bar and Lep require a qualified chef to cover for holidays with an media start, send your CV to the harbourlep at gmail.com and caregivers are needed for the Blarney, Mallow, Dunamore and Coachford areas. Flexible hours, contact Home Instead Care. You can do that on 021-4307-907. You'll find these job details and more opportunities now if you go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. 37,000 nurses will strike on the 30th of January in an escalation of their pay dispute with the government. The INMO union says if the issues are not resolved, there will be further 24-hour strikes across February. Liam Conway is Industrial Relations with the INMO and joins me. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning. Uh, First of all, we're hearing from nurses yesterday when we were discussing this, that it would seem, even though they're campaigning for a better pay increase, conditions also such as working longer hours than required on shifts, assaults in the workplace, especially in A&E areas, and the quality of life, they're nearly as big as issues among nurses as pay. Well, I suppose, to be quite frank, pay is the key issue because we have a massive recruitment and retention crisis in nursing and military as as it currently stands. Unless we're able to recruit and retain nurses and midwives, 
by offering them better pay, we're not going to be able to improve the conditions. It's literally a snowball effect. Because we're so short-staffed within all of our acute hospitals in the community setting, it's having a direct effect on the conditions. So you go into work on a day-to-day basis and there's an absence of our lack of... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Of nurses and midwives in your area because there's simply not enough nurses to cover the current demand and the current service. We see a massive overcrowding crisis. Yesterday we saw over 70 patients in Cork University Hospital on trolleys awaiting a bed, and that is simply down to bed capacity. So there's a massive need to improve and increase the bed capacity within Cork and also across nationwide. Unless we improve the amount of beds that we have or increase the beds that we have in the system, we're not going to be able to improve the conditions that patients experience when they go into a hospital or on a trolley. And our, our members and nursing midwives looking after these patients who want to give the best and most timely, effective and adequate care that they can. But in the current conditions, with overcrowding and short staffing levels, that's not attainable at the minute. And when you mention that pay, obviously it's a snowball effect and if you don't have nurses well paid, it's hard to get them into the actual system here in Ireland. The Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, has ruled out yesterday any further pay increases for nurses and also would this or could this open up the floodgates for other public servants who then will see if the nurses do get any pay increase, that they will want the same and you mentioned a snowball effect, you will have that then across the public service. Well, I suppose to be quite frank, the government haven't engaged to, with the INMO, um over the last number of months in relation to this matter, despite trying to contact them, despite having meant to have a meeting with the oversight body on the 19th of December, which was cancelled. So I suppose it's now up to the government to get their act together. 
because we will be on strike come the 13th of January if they fail to engage with us. They cannot continue to bury their heads in the sand and ignore the recruitment and retention crisis in the health system, in the HSE. We've seen from last year alone, there's a 7% increase in the trolley count across nationwide. We see over the, this week, and particularly here in Cork, the increase of bed uh, numbers and trolley numbers and the overcrowding in the hospitals. And that is a mild winter. It's not even the depth of a cold winter. We haven't even had the winter vomiting broadcast as yet. It is a seasonal flu that is particularly spiking the figures. But the figures continue to be high throughout the rest of the 12 months. So the government needs to take action. Fine Gael and, and, and Co have been in the government now for the last seven years. Things are continuing to worse in, in the HSE. And we know we train over 1,500 nurses and midwives every year. And they continue to leave en masse because of the pay and conditions when they qualify. They are starting off in, in less than 30,000 when they come out after qualifying. After the first week, they get the registration. And they're going into areas where they're very junior, they're short-staffed, and they're struggling to survive on the, on the day-to-day in terms of the paying their bills, etc. So we continue to see mass uh, losses of nurses and midwives who qualify to go to English-speaking countries, the likes of Australia, the UK, Canada, etc. And we continue to see mass exodus of our experienced staff moving into the private sector because they're offering better pay conditions and incentives, financial incentives we saw last week. The matter private are offering over 3,000 euros if we recruited a friend to go into work in that area in, in Dublin. And also as well, we continue to see um, better paying conditions being continuously offered in these English-speaking countries. And the HSC, though, would come out then, and they have, and they're saying that nurses will benefit by a €2,000 increase this year, and they accept, if they do accept what's an offer, uh, there could be more increases the HSC are committing and saying that. They've also said that on average, an average staff nurse earnings were now approximately €53,000 if you include overtime and allowances. Uh, so looking at the different figures that they're coming out with, I mean, they're obviously looking at figures from different scale rates over the last few years and they range from what you mentioned near 30,000 up to 53,000. Some though who are maybe not in the public sector but still may have degrees are looking at this and I know nursing is a very tough job and no one is disagreeing with that and it is a matter of life and death compared to other jobs but some people may say they're well paid. Well I suppose just to be quite clear this is not a pay increase or pay increases that the government are providing through the public service to be payment. This is pay restoration. And despite the government's been over the last number of weeks and months in relation to 20% increases and the figures they've thrown out and the salaries that have been quoted in the media by nurses, a new graduate, when they qualify, will be on less than 30,000. And if they decide to do extra shifts or the roster to do extra shifts, that's extra money that they go in and do outside of their additional hours. Or, for example, they work additional hours on, on, uh, on social time. So, for example, night duty and Sundays, they get paid penalty payments for working them days. So that would mean essentially that they would get additional pay for working that Sunday, but they're working on social hours, very different to the private sector. But any shift worker in this country that does them premium hours, the night duty and and then Sunday, will be getting the same, uh, the the double time, for example, on the Sunday, and they'll be getting the uh, night duty premium as well on night duty. So I suppose that, that can't be used as an argument from the government. In relation to the the, uh, the offer of, of increasing the allowances by 20%, that is only going to increase in 5,000 over 40,000 members' uh, pay increase 
on a weekly basis by four to seven euros. Um, it will take to about 300 euro increase a month. That is not going to recruit and retain nurses uh, and midwives in the current HSE system because it needs to be, a, there's a 12% gap between the OTs, the physios, the other health professional grades. And they, they, for example, are getting nearly over 7,000 euros extra. A nurse and midwife comes out after their four-year degree, the same length of time as professionals, and they're on the front line. They're expected to do, you know, work the on social hours. They work extra hours. And the demand placed on nurses are not different versus the health professional grade. But we're not getting into that argument. We're saying, look, there needs to be a pay increase for nurses and midwives because we, HSE and the government have tried every other incentive to recruit and retain staff, and it is clearly not working. For every four vacancies in the HSE, there is only one applicant as we speak today, and that is the HSE's own data. So there has to be something drastically done because it's continuing to worse the, the conditions for, for both the patients when they come into the acute hospitals and the delays for them to be seen to be admitted into the acute hospital and also to get discharge in place correctly, correctly and adequately into the into community nursing unit or to get home as well because of delayed discharge. So I suppose the conditions for, for the staff are not good. The conditions for the patients aren't good because we know and, and, and the imperial evidence would say quite clearly that the longer you wait in a trolley, the poorer the patient outcome. And a lot of the nurses that we spoke with yesterday were saying that they feared for the safety of their patients. A lot also feel that it's unfair if you're on a 12-hour shift and you end up doing an 18- to 20-hour shift and and there's actually no extra overtime for that because that's just, it was so busy, people just felt they had to stay on for patient safety. Uh, many were on about assaults in the workplaces as well in A&E area. So a lot of issues outside of money. And that is also why you have nurses going to the likes of the UAE, Canada and other places as well. So are you confident now with this particular strike action you are holding at the end of the month that the Health Minister and indeed the Department of Health along with the Taoiseach will actually meet you? Because at the moment, again, there there seems to be no uptake from the government towards yourselves on this if you're saying to us they haven't met as yet. Well, I suppose we have notified the HSE of our intention to strike on the dates in January and February. And we have received response that the HSC will now meet us to discuss contingency meetings. I suppose the Minister has said this week that he would look to engage with the union in relation. But again, that's the first time that we've received communication that they would engage in relation to this. But it has to be quite clear, if something is not done, this will be a serious dispute and a serious uh, strike from, from our members. And it will have a massive effect on the health system. And you are going to continue this on into February if they do not meet, and if your terms and conditions on what you're looking for are not met. A lot will say that you're going to put more pressure on the health service by holding these strikes, and it could affect patients. What do you say to those callers? Well, I suppose I have to be quite clear, and, and anyone who's been in the system, as we can't speak, it already is affecting the system. There's been uh, outpatients have been cancelled theatre procedures, elective procedures, they continue to be cancelled because of the overcrowding crisis. But will more be cancelled now because continuing with the overcrowding crisis, you're going to have less nurses working on those days if you strike, so there's going to be less staff in the A&E units, in the outpatients, in the various units there. Well, that's quite frank. A strike is a withdrawal of labour. So obviously there will be consequences in relation to that. But again, I have to reiterate, 
that the INMO remain open to meeting with the government. We've wrote to them, we've sought meetings with them, we remain uh, open to meeting with the government. But it is now for, up for the government to really deal with this problem for once and for all and to start getting a handle on the overcrowding crisis within our hospitals. And you mentioned pay restoration there earlier when we were on about this particular pay issue. Do you find it ironic uh, that the government seem to be giving themselves pay restoration but not some public servant workers? Well, I suppose, look, they, they took cuts apparently as well in, in, the, um, in the recession as well. But I suppose, look, you've got to deal, you've got to deal with frontline workers. They've dealt with the guards already. They've got to now deal with the nurses and midwives because the goodwill is gone. It is running out and it will be gone because they cannot continue to go into work in fear, knowing they're coming in to work in horrendous conditions, particularly at this time of the year. They're coming in to work fearing for their patients, fearing that they will make a mistake, and fearing for their registration. And that is simply not good enough. We've seen a massive increase in staff being assaulted within the HSC, and it is the nurses and midwives who are the most likely to be assaulted have the highest amount of assaults within in, within that uh, data. But I suppose our, the not biggest concern for nurses and midwives, as we currently speak today, is the fear for their patients when they go into work because they're working understaffed. And this is not taken lightly from nurses and midwives. Anyone who's been through the, the, the system can see when they go into the emergency departments, nurses are running all over the place trying to cover the amount of patients currently within the departments at that time. This is about patients as well, and it is about improving the conditions for patients when they go into the health system, that they deserve the amount of care and treatment that they need by having adequate staff. Okay, Liam, we'll wait and see what happens over the course of the next few weeks from the government and yourselves. For the moment, Liam Conway from the INMO. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And time for this week's Garda File. I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly from Kenturk Garda Station. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. And this morning, starting off, first of all, with break ins in the region. That's correct. Um, no, I suppose uh, three, three burglaries, and the other ones uh, would be uh, theft from cars. Now, one thing I'll say about the theft from cars, and I'll start off with them, there were thefts from cars, all of which were unlocked inside an estate in uh, in, in Lyre. Um, now, it, they would have occurred uh, early yesterday morning, so on the morning of the, the 8th, 9th, um, seven cars. Now, from, from inquiries, made it was property taken from a number of the cars in some instances it was just a quick rummage there was pr- property left in other cars there was lap- laptops even left in cars um, but there was some property taken but the common denominator with all of them all the cars were unlocked um, now there was one uh, person living in this state and they heard uh, their own alarm activated around 3 o'clock in the morning um, they looked out the window and they saw uh, 3 or 4 youths male youths uh, running out of the estate. So th- that was as a result of follow-up inquiries made by my colleagues here in Talk elicited that information. Now, what I would say to people is this is not just happening in Lyle. We saw the same thing happening in Watergrass Hill and Middleton going back a couple of months ago. People seem to be 
Uh, I suppose whether it's the fact they're living in a low crime profile area, but they don't seem to be locking a cow when it's outside their own house. Now, outside your own house is not a fully private space, right? It's not walled in. It's it's a driveway. It's semi-private. In other words, anyone can walk up to your hall door. Anyone can uh, just pull the handle of your your car. You know, um, maybe it's the fact that nowadays you don't use a key to lock the car. You're just using a fob. But I would suggest that if you were in a corresponding estate, say in, in Dublin, anywhere in Dublin, yes, if you were tried seven or eight cars, all of them would be locked. So, you know, I'd, I'd say to people, look, uh, wherever you're parking a car, whether it's uh, at the local supermarket or whether where you're going for a walk, but especially when you park it outside your house you know, at night, just make sure it's locked. Yeah, and Elizabeth locked. actually on text, just a word of advice, as you're mentioning people locking their cars and you mentioned the fobs there, she's fasted on text saying a lot of people now press the button, they walk away, but sometimes, because that happened to her, the car didn't lock. So she says, yeah. yes, press the button, Correct. make sure the car is locked, check the handle and make sure the car is locked before you go in home or before you go shopping or whatever you're doing. Correct, because the battery and the key could be dodgy as well, you know. And and in in in, in some instances, this may have happened to people, you know. Uh, like if if your if your if your battery is going dodgy in in the uh, in the car key, yes, that can happen, you know. Um, so look, just for people, uh, just to be aware of that, you know. The, the other uh, item there, there's has has been a number of break-ins in the area over over the last uh, over the last night. Another one was discovered this morning. What we believe it was done probably the night before. Now, in this particular case, we're dealing with uh, break-ins. One was at Cushown in uh, Fremont. That was uh, between 7.20 a.m. and 18.45, so roughly a 12-hour period on the night, which was, which was yesterday. A uh, house was broken into, um, into was the front door of the house, was was entered and the house was ransacked. Now we saw another one that occurred as well uh, over in on the Charleville Road in Newmarket. Now in this particular case, a neighbour returned home and they observed uh, the windows of a house alongside them open. They walked towards the property and they saw two males run from the property and they got into a dark coloured car which left in the direction of Fremont. Now we've no fuller description, we've no fuller description or make of the car. So that would have occurred at the Charleville Road Newmarket uh, at 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock yesterday. Now, as I said, dark-coloured car with two males in it, and it drove through, um, sorry, I'm wrong, it, it left in the direction of Fremont. So if anybody saw any car matching that description uh, yesterday at any stage, you know, give us a ring, we'd, we'd appreciate a call, because they are quite likely the people who also done the, the job earlier in Fremont and as I said, there was one discovered this morning as well, uh, whereby people who were gone on holidays, um, somebody checked the house this morning at Mila Hera, Cantor. Um, now, we don't know if there was anything taken, but the house was checked at, uh, um, at 9 o'clock this morning. It was found, found it had been broken into. Possibly happened, I would say, yesterday. I, I would imagine it's, it's linked to that particular gang. They could have been um, in the area uh, doing a few houses yesterday. Maybe someone coming home from work might have seen that particular case. Uh, you mentioned the break in at six o'clock if they were driving in the area. I know it was dark, but maybe someone might have seen something suspicious if they were coming home from work yesterday. Correct. Evening. And, 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 and if you got one of those little uh, uh, little cameras for Christmas, you know, to clip onto the dashboard. Dash cam, camera, yeah. Uh, dash cam, you know, it's worth reviewing the, reviewing the footage. You know, more people have them nowadays. 
And if you happen to be driving, uh, you know, it's worth reviewing. You think you'll pass something really good just to go back on, on the footage. Interesting things are beginning to turn turn up on them, you know. So look for people to just to be aware. Secure your property, lock your property. And an alarm is, at all times is a very good investment. And But just if you have one, just make sure you use it. Finally, John Paul, just a, a couple of words there. The last month in, in December, I noticed quite an increase in, in different various, different types of fraud and phone scams. Just one I want to mention uh, this morning, and, and that's uh, CEO fraud. I've mentioned it before, but it's something for, as we come into the new year, for all retailers, you know, for all business people to be aware of, you know, the ones where they're contacted by, by a co- company that they are already probably in business with. The main thing is to be informed. You know, make sure that your employees are fraud aware and that they understand the different controls and procedures in place to prevent fraud. Um, another thing, you know, don't assume that you can trust caller ID, right? You see the caller ID and it's shown up a company, uh, say, with a cock number, a company that uh, you'll be familiar with. You know, phone numbers can be spoofed. So it looks like a particular company is calling, even if it is not the real company. You know, so it's, it's uh, the fraud are well ahead of the pack in this case. Now, they also, in some instances we found, they already have basic information about you or your business in their position. You know, they might your name, address, maybe basic account details. In other words, they may know the bank that you're using. So don't assume that the caller is genuine because that they have those details, you know. And I suppose the main thing is be wary of payment requests that are unexpected, irregular, or they require changes to bank account details, particularly the ones that require changes to bank account details. Remember, you know, check the email, you know, ring whoever you're dealing with, you know, in the company, uh, in the in the opposite number, uh, in, in the company that you're dealing with, just to make sure that they have changed their bank account details, you know. Um, Always exercise as well caution in forming new relationships with potential customers. Make sure that you undertake due diligence, you know, you know as regards the company, as regards its track record, you, you know, and other people that they deal with. And I suppose a lot of fraudsters as well, John Paul, and I'll end in that. Some fraudsters, they may not be greedy. It might be small transactions. So if you notice any unusual transactions, you know, on your bank statements, just report them to the bank immediately. Because it, it can be a lot easier for a fraudster you know, to do small transactions and do them often, they can equate to a large amount of money when it's done over a large, uh, you know, a long period of time. Um, there's very, very good booklets out, out at the moment. The Banking Federation, in conjunction with Garda Shikana, have done a very uh, good um, booklet. You'll find it in a lot of the Garda stations. We have um, copies of them. Fraud Smart booklet. The banks have them as well. So look, take a few minutes to educate yourself on the different types of scams that are around, you know, at the moment because they are not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, and just be, be vigilant and be careful, as you say, right. because there's so many of them out there now, it's hard to know sometimes which is a scam and which isn't a scam. Uh, between the phone and between people calling, there's a lot going on, and for some reason, a lot more, as you mentioned, over the last few weeks as we enter the new year. For the moment, John, thanks for joining us this morning. That's Sergeant John Kelly from Kentuck Garda Station with this week's Garda File. This is Cork Today with you until one, and Bernie takes your calls and comments, 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp, 0862-103-103. Same numbers if there's a pet in your house that you have a question for our vet our vet Jane Pickett is along just after 12.30 from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket if there is a question for a pet in your household let us know we'll pass it on to Jane who will join us later in this hour a lot of calls and comments coming in though first of all 
Uh, outside of the nurses which we spoke about in the last hour and the strikes that are due to take place the end of this month and maybe across February as well the VAT increase and this came from when we were chatting with Michael Collins the Cork South West Deputy why he is not going to take uh, the pay increase that all TDs will receive now that won't receive pay increase that they're going to receive now at the start of this year Uh, he mentioned about how so many uh, shops, uh, cafes, various businesses, publicans and indeed people in general are struggling from what he sees on the ground and other cities are the same and that's why he is not taking that particular pay increase. Well, uh, on that a lot of people were on, in touch with us regarding the VAT increase and how they have seen a cup of coffee increase or they have seen, you know, if you're going for a scone and a coffee or that type of thing, all, everything's gone up and many are saying it's gone up by 20 cents, uh, some higher and when they ask, they have been told it's due to the VAT rate increasing now to 13.5%. Others then making the argument is really 20 cents going to put people out or indeed put cafes out of business. Anyhow, on that, John in Carrigline reacting to all those texts earlier is asking why though is a cup of coffee a lot more expensive than a cup of tea? A 3.40 for a coffee is a disgrace. A typical Irish out to rob you, says John in Carrigline. Is it because it's tougher to make a cup of coffee than a cup of tea? A cup of tea is a tea bag with coffee, various ways of making various coffees. You have lattes, you have so many out there now and they are, a lot of them from machines and then others are from staff who make them at cafes so I presume it's that that's the reason why they're dearer have you noticed that though if you're going for your coffee or tea the coffee is always dearer than the tea uh, let us know John and Carrigaline wondering what's happening with that on 0862103103 and regardless of pay and indeed uh, the pay of RTDs Mary says uh, Theresa May the Prime Minister of the UK uh, she gets a salary according to Mary of £145,000 sterling a year our Taoiseach gets nearly double that. Why? Even Trump doesn't get that much at this, at this stage. It's just an Irish joke what's going on regarding payments for our TDs and indeed our Taoiseach. And again, tying back to how so many independent TDs are not taking uh, this latest pay increase and they feel uh, that the money should be put to better use. Speaking of better use, the nurses and they're looking for pay restoration also. Uh, many say pay increases. Speaking to the INMO earlier, they're saying it's a pay restoration to go back to pre-recession times and what they should be earning now. Well, on that, uh, a lot of reaction to uh, the discussion with the INMO earlier. Michael, first of all, says that every morning uh, we hear from hospital reps that we have so many numbers on hospital trolleys, but they never give us the figures for those who are ready to be discharged, but some will not go and they will not go out they'll go to a nursing home or they'll go to a local hospital but they won't actually go out home those patients are holding beds that really sick patients require furthermore they are making the nurses staff life so much more difficult while remaining in the A&D department says Michael and that's interesting and something that was mentioned before on the programme that we have these trolley watches as they call them and you have the figures every day for those on the trolleys we don't hear though how many are ready to leave the hospital. But when they are leaving the hospital, they're not going home. They're going to another hospital or indeed to a nursing home. Thank you, Michael, for that particular WhatsApp. John in Clonacilty says, I know a girl in her early 30s that gave up nursing. She said night shifts, weekends, Christmas, Easter, working when everyone else is off. And she said, it's a tough job. We all need nurses, so pay up government. They deserve it, says John in Clonacilty. 
And another John, in reaction to the INMO, says pay is lower in the private sector. You get lower pay in the UK also, he reckons, uh, regarding jobs and maybe those as well in the public sector get lower pay in the UK than here in Ireland. Thank you, John, for your text. And that's in reacting to the INMO who we were debating with him about private and public and how those maybe in the private sector would say, well, you're not getting... Uh, we're not getting as much uh, as the nurses. We don't get any overtime for X, Y, Z. And he was making the point that everybody in the private sector should be uh, getting overtime if you were or getting some type of allowance if you're working uh, on sociable hours, overnights, or indeed if you're working Sundays. And many disagree with that and saying the pay is lower in the private sector regarding what the INMO say. And on that particular issue of those people who don't get extra money if they're working on a Sunday or overnight. Mary is one of them. She says, I worked in the hotel sector and I don't get paid or I still work in the hotel sector and I don't get paid on sociable hours or indeed shift allowance. That's the job you are assigned to and you just don't get extra money for working late into the night or working on a Sunday. Uh, That's basically your job, you're told, and you've signed up for that particular job and you won't be getting allowances for working uh, on days maybe like a Christmas day or a New Year's day or an Easter holiday or or those type of days that we've heard earlier from the INMO uh, nurses looking for extra pay for those particular days also and some do already get the extra pay for that and some public servants do already get extra pay for that. Mary saying... No, um, my working late hours into the early hours uh, and indeed on the Sundays she doesn't get extra pay in the hotel sector while Heidi says JP it's great we have good nurses and they deserve a good salary and I have nieces in medical jobs but we all have guys and girls in other jobs working hard and they get no pay rises. If there's nothing in the box well you can't get blood out of a stone says Hadi. that's in relation to the government who have come out and said they won't be giving pay increases to nurses and another text here who says or no name on this but this person says it's not all about nurses only for health assistants who do most of the work nurses spend a lot of time writing healthcare assistants have responsibilities too says that particular texter some of your comments regarding the situation with the nurses going on strike at the end of this particular month Earlier we spoke regarding the plastics factory coming to Skibbereen and they've got planning but there is a group in Skibbereen who were against this factory from opening up and we had mixed reaction then from others who want the factory to come and said it will bring jobs. Uh, other people don't want the factory to arrive in Skibbereen. Uh, within that, another text regarding that particular issue saying regarding Skibbereen and the plastics factory, the listener does have an opinion. However, in this day and age, what this town needs, uh, what it doesn't need is polluted air or water from a facility. This factory would also affect the environment and our neighbouring towns too. He is right though about Ludgate and Jobs. The small group located there were working from their homes anyway. Uh, No job generation yet except only for Spearline. They have uh, generated jobs in the area and are a welcome boost to the area. So well done to Spearline for creating jobs and they have their own facility now also uh, but it feels more jobs, uh, this text or WhatsAppers feels that there more jobs should be made out of Ludgate. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And we always get calls and texts from people who are having problems with various services. And this service is air. 
believe it or not and Richard in Castleton Bear in Castleton Roach sorry Richard in Castleton Roach he is having problems with air since last July now he changed from air to sky last July and he has had a letter every month from air telling him that they owe him 41 euros and 83 cents in a rebate but no cheque has been sent only the letters he cannot get through to air and this morning he did try and get through to air and wait for it he spent 79 minutes on hold this morning trying to speak to someone from air about the situation and again no luck well Richard we have a contact at air this morning on your behalf and hopefully they will issue that particular cheque to you because we have been on to them so we'll wait and see what they say to us but I would hope uh, for more intervention that if they said they will issue with the rebate and they're willing to do so that they will issue that rebate to you anyhow Richard thank you for your call on 18 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 tweet this afternoon at C103 Cork and now uh, very shortly we're going to be hearing from uh, those who were within CUH speaking there of the nurses there is a lot of people who are waiting in A&E over the last number of days the trolley watch figures have increased Cork one of the worst areas of hit in the country with those waiting in A&E units so we have been to CUH Yesterday, our reporter Fiona Cochran was there and we'll hear from her next and from those people she spoke to within the A&E who were waiting yesterday. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they will hold a blood donor clinic in the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom. That's going ahead today from 3 to 5 and again this evening from 7 to 9pm. A charity Zumbathon will be held in Formoy Community Centre and that's on this coming Saturday from 2 to 5pm with proceeds in aid of Chronic Pain Ireland. The Rosso Donovan 10-year memorial truck run is going to be held this coming Saturday in aid of the West Cork Rapid Response. You can register there at Bandon GEA Pitch at 10.30 with a 12.30pm rollout. You're asked to come along and support them along the route. And a 5k community walk, part of Operation Transformation. That's going to be held in Donrell Park. That's going ahead on Saturday starting at 11am. All welcome to attend and take part in this particular walk in Donrell. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And on the VAT increase and people noticing the cost of a cup of coffee or a cup of tea going up, we are getting this going with that, all increasing. And the majority just by 20 cents. That's the average increase we are getting and that would make sense with the 13.5% VAT rate that has changed from this year Uh, but somebody here asking has anybody noticed have hair salons changed their pricing also and how much now for a haircut it was 10 euros well I presume if they're just adding on the VAT it'll be 10, 20 or something around that Uh, but has anybody noticed if you're going to the hairdressers has that increased and has the change just been in in line with the rest of the cafes we've heard from this morning are hairdressers doing the same is it just up by the 13.5%. It's affecting a lot of industries uh, outside of just cafes are being hit by this particular 13.5% VAT rate. So uh, have you noticed that increase or how much 
is a haircut now in general uh, that right or no that right let us know a text or whatsapp 86 or call Bernie 1850 and if you have a pet in your household and a question uh, for our vet Jane Pickett get your questions in on those numbers as well Jane from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will be along very shortly now yesterday afternoon and across the week we've been hearing about the long delays in A&E not only here in Cork but across the country but at CUH yesterday our reporter for Fiona Corcoran went in to see UH and met those who were waiting a number of hours in the A&E unit uh, to be seen and they witnessed firsthand what was happening in our A&E services. Here is some of those she spoke to yesterday uh, within CUH. I had very bad cramps, um, rang so dark. Um, I explained that I couldn't go out to them because I was vomiting with the pain because it was very severe. And he came out, he wrote me a letter and he told me to get the ambulance in. So that was about four o'clock this morning and I was wheelchaired in and I was waiting there until about two hours ago. I talked to my doctor for ten minutes and... They took my bloods and a urine sample and they just said basically I have to wait again and I'm sitting down on a chair. And it's it's nearly four o'clock now, so you've been sitting on that same chair for the guts of 12 hours? Definitely. Like, I haven't even got the concept of time because I'm so tired and there's nowhere to sleep. Even the chairs are uncomfortable, like, you can't even relax. But I pity the poor people inside there, the old people. Have you seen many old people in there today? Plenty, loads. There, there are some in beds, but there are some on wheelchairs and chairs. So I'm sure you've heard before you came in here about overcrowding, but is it worse than what you ever imagined it to be like? Yeah, definitely. I wanted to go to the Mercy. Um, I asked reception, would I be better off going to the Mercy? And she said, it will be probably the same there. So just to hold tight, hold on. In your own words, can you describe the scene in there today? Packed. Packed to the brim. I don't know, very disorganised. Um, yeah, I just... You know, my head's just wrecked over it, honest to God. I... I just want to go home. Just tell me a little bit about why you're here. Uh, my wife has dementia and she fell down the stairs at home. And we're here seven months now. There's nowhere to go. We're waiting for a nursing home, but nursing homes won't take her because she needs 24-hour care. So she's in a bed here in the emergency department? No, in a ward. And do you think then that if she was able to go to another facility that that bed could be freed up then for somebody yeah. else coming through the emergency department? It would, yeah. it would. It would free up the bed. And she's not the only patient here like that. I'd say there's two or three in every ward. We're here, what, what 20, 216 days now. Um, I, was, I was looking after her home, getting care of loans. That's all cut off. Everything's cut off. So I just I come up every day to her and we're living on virtually nothing. And how do you feel about all of this? There's nothing can be done. It's the system is wrong. It's top heavy. There's not enough medical staff. It's not the staff's fault. The staff are working very, very hard. The system is wrong. I was here one day and I saw an, 
up in the north of sport. 40 years ago, this place could take 600 patients. No, don't take in the new parts of the hospital, keep it original. Or 600 is 470 beds now. With the Norton Infirmary closed down, all the regional hospitals closed down, and the population's after growing. That doesn't make sense, like, does it? And would you prefer to see your wife so brought to a place that kind of specialises no, yeah. in care? But there's nowhere for her. There's no, uh, there's no treatment. Set. There's no nursing home with the facilities. There's nothing there. So, so what kind of a future are you looking at? We don't know, because they come up with a, a hospital or a nursing home. Then they come up and assess her, and she's not, a, she's not suitable to candle for us. We're here seven months now. We could be here another two or three months, no problem. That's obviously taken its toll on you then as well. Oh, it has, but what can I do? I'm stuck here. That I was after ringing my own GP to see if I could get an appointment. And I rang them, and they said that they were dealing with the overflow of patients from South Dock at the weekend, and I couldn't get an appointment. So I I wasn't feeling great. So I got dressed and I went down and waited to see GP. So I was put on tablets and yesterday then I got worse. Went to South Dock and they set me up here then this morning and I have pneumonia. So um, did you have to go through the emergency department here? Yeah. So I'm on in the, I was in a cubicle. So I'm have to be moved from the cubicle now down to a corridor. On a and trolley? On a trolley, yeah, yeah. So I asked about getting a bed and they just couldn't give me any reply you know so how long have you been on that trolley now um 10 o'clock this morning it's what, no, it's, 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 i'm lucky it's not that long like you know it's, it's still long. long enough when you're sick you know so it's just and the fact no sleep then the last couple of nights as well and i'm not going to get any sleep in there you know so just it's a disgrace just lying on a trolley when you're You've got pneumonia, you're very, very ill. Um, and you mentioned there about sleep and whatever else. Like, what is it like actually lying on a trolley there in a crowded corridor? First of all, you've no privacy. Um, second, they're not a bit comfortable. I also have back problems. So it's impossible for me to get into a comfortable position on them as well. So now I'm on oxygen as well, but it's a portable oxygen they to bring down. You know, so it's it's it's... To be honest, I think it's degrading. It's I'm not too bad. I can get up and I can cover myself. For but there's a lot of elderly people in there, and they're not just they're not able to look after themselves. Do you know? It's just terrible to look at. It really is. Um, it's, it's like Beirut. <laughs> it's the only way I can put it now. To be quite honest with you, the nurses are running around like headless chicken. Do you know? I feel so sorry for them now. I really, I really do. But even the doctor that's treating me in there was brought down from Galway as a locum. You know, so he's even chasing the nurses to find out where is this kept, where is that kept. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. Have you any idea how long you're going to have to stay in hospital? <coughs> well, I'll have to complete the, the course of steroids and antibiotics intravenously, which would probably be a week. It could be seven to ten days now. So when I get a bed, I don't know. You know, so lock of the draw, it's a, you know. But even if you want to have a wash, there's absolutely nowhere now to have a shower or anything like that. And you know yourself what the heat is like inside there. But even using the bathroom, there's people in there now, they've 
swine flu, there's people with swine flu, there's people with the vomiting bug, and everybody's using the one restroom, you know, so. So, like, do you have a fear that you've come in with one, one thing? thing? And, and probably end up catching another few things, especially with pneumonia, you're open to infections anyway, you know, so. That's first-hand what is happening in our hospitals here in Cork. Our reporter Fiona Corcoran speaking yesterday afternoon to those who are waiting uh, within the A&E services just outside, obviously we weren't within the A&E but just outside the door of the A&E services and you also hear there from uh, that particular man caring for his wife who has dementia and how he is in and out of the particular hospital in Wilton every single day for the last seven months and how he is living his life. So uh, just an insight to what happens within our hospitals. And I'm always saying when people are giving it about this, that and the other thing, if you were visiting someone in COH or any hospital, but I just know COH personally, if you were walking in through that particular hospital from the reception down the corridors, it's just it's a different world. Uh, and no matter what is happening in your own life and you see uh, people battling various health issues and their families who were upset. And then when someone receives bad news and you see uh, a son, a daughter, a friend crying in the corridors. It is a different world. And that snippet is just highlighting those who are waiting for services in the hospital and what they are going through within our health service. Our thanks to our reporter, C103's Fiona Corcoran, who spent time in CUH yesterday afternoon. Our lines are open. You can email across the afternoon as well with your comments following what we heard there from CUH. Email jp at c103.ie on the VAT increase and what people are seeing with what's increasing over the last few weeks or the last week, anyhow, I suppose, in particular. One texter here says hotels put up their prices late last year and hairdressers never reduced their prices when the recession hit says a listener in Mallow and responding to Richard's problem with air Richard in Castleton Roach who has who is having problems with air we dealt with earlier and we are in touch with air to see if we can solve Richard's problem for him getting his rebate back from air and this person says I have dealt with AIR, an awful company to deal with. I took a case to the small claims court against them and they failed to resolve the issue. They even failed to represent themselves at the particular court. I obtained a judgment against them before Christmas, says this particular texter. And on the VAT increase again and on the cost of a haircut, how much is a haircut? Someone was on about a, a 10 euro haircut earlier. How much is it going to go up to? We were thinking a haircut, if it is 10 euros, with the VAT increase, roughly around 10.20, maybe a bit higher. But in general then, how much is the cost of a haircut? Well, Mike and Bantry says €14 Euro for a haircut at the Turkish Barber. How much do you pay for your haircut? Uh, we get them into us. We'll let you know on the show at this stage tomorrow how much you pay for your haircut. But now if you have a pet in your household and you have a question for our vet, get those questions into us. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next. Court today on C. 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And as usual on a Thursday afternoon, we welcome Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. A good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Now, a lot of vet questions uh, into us today, so we'll get straight into them. If you have a question for Jane, you can call Bernie 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And first one here, Jane, is from Lisa. Now, Lisa uh, wants to know, is there any reason why her cat has gone off all her food? She's drinking water fine, but she won't eat nuts or other food that they leave 
vote for her. Now, this is only on the last two days. She's been fine up to that. They can't figure out what is wrong. The cat is four years old. It's neutered. Never happened before. But they have noticed her mood isn't great either. She's not turning over in her belly for them to rub her. She's not engaging in petting or anything like that. And Mm. they they can't figure out what was wrong. Mm. Cats are unusual creatures. They really try to hide it whenever they're feeling really unwell. So if we are beginning to notice that they're not eating and let's say your little cat isn't rolling over for the cuddles on the belly and things like that, that is a big change in behaviour that you've noticed at home. I'd be a little bit worried that we're not feeling the best. And as I say, cats are because they're kind of both a predator and a prey species they hide things really well they're programmed to pretend they're normal even when they're not so if you're noticing those changes I'd be a bit concerned now it could be something as simple as they might be finding food elsewhere or somebody started feeding them from the house next door or something like that so I'd ask around the neighbours just make sure that's not happening and we're not coming back with a full belly anyway Mm. but if we have noticed a bit of a change in the normal behaviour there could be a few things it could be a problem with the mouth or the teeth it's like ourselves if we get a toothache we're a bit reluctant to eat but with cats it could be all it could be various things they might have a stomach bug or not be feeling so well or have a cough or a cold or something like that and as I say they try to hide these things really well what I would say is it could be a lot of things how long is a piece of string so I think if you're worried about your cat and I would say that if you have noticed changes in behaviour I would take your cat to the vet to have a full physical examination because that can tell us a lot that they might be hiding and mm. give us some clues of whether we need to worry about it whether it's something we need to investigate and I'm sure your vet will be able to help you take it from there I'll just keep an eye on the cat yeah, as well anyhow exactly. and then if you think so go to the vet uh, Daniel has a Labrador pup now as you know Labradors can be quite excited oh. <laughs> uh, when they're young and he wants to know any tips for training him the pup he said has gone wild when they got the pup initially obviously a bit quiet but yes. now it's gone wild he's going to be an <laughs> indoor dog so any right. advice for Daniel okay I think it can be really overfitting particularly if this is the first pup you've had or maybe it's a more livelier pup than you've ever had before um, they all do have a very different personality and I think that's the really fascinating thing about every little dog they're all, all different and all have different behaviours I think if you want to let's say make us make him a little bit calmer and my my top tips would be try and get some of that energy vented so engage in lots of play activity if your pup is fully vaccinated and ready to go into the wider world lots of walks lots of socialising with other dogs because they need two things they need to vent some of that energy that'll make them calmer a little bit more receptive to training later on maybe um but they also need some mental stimulation they're at this point in life where they're like a sponge everything is super exciting and if you can harness that power of how when they're really young and everything you introduce them to in the first kind of eight to 12 to kind of three four month period they'll accept it as normal so you're in this golden period where you can make them less fearful of the world around them if you do it right so I would say lots of different things to do lots of different socializing with other dogs from a training point of view once you've vented that energy and been out for your walk or had a good play in the back garden if your pup's a little bit younger then I would say my top tip for training would be little bits often so don't sit down and say right to the kids I'm going to do an hour of training with our puppy now and hopefully by the end of it he'll be able to sit it doesn't work like that you'll need to do maybe two or three minutes at the most and lots of training with let's say something tasty treat it's kind of bribery in a way but that's the way it works I would say little sessions often two three minutes five minutes max and many, many times throughout the day. Puppies have a very short attention span, but they're incredibly intelligent. If you just harness those short bursts of attention span when they're feeling a little bit calm or maybe post some play when they've had, you know, kind of got the energy out of the system, you'll be most successful. But 
patience, persistence, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure you will <laughs> by going with what he's telling us anyhow, Daniel. Hope that helps you. Uh, Liam is, is even another dog question. This though, an older dog, 12-year-old dog. Uh, I don't have a breed on this, but his paws are sore. Um, it looks like there's a massive lump under the paw and they can't really get a proper look uh, at their particular paw for their dog. Mm. I'm wondering what this could be and should they go to the vet, but also if they are going to the vet, what exactly could they be facing? Mm, this is a bit of a difficult one. I think if you've noticed that the paws are sore, I assume from the description it might be that your little dog is, let's say, biting or licking or kind of being a little bit more obviously worried at his paws. Now, if it's all of the paws that are involved, it could be something like um, an itch or a scratch. Now, when we're itching or scratching and we're a dog, we itch the places that are easiest to get to and there are kind of our feet, our belly, the bits that are easy to itch. So if it is all of the feet that he's worrying, it could be more of an itch problem, a skin problem. Um, and even so, I would advise going to see your vet because that, that can be a number of things from infection to a parasite. Um if it's just one foot and you have noticed this lump and bump I'd be a little bit more concerned now what I would say is if it's on the foot it's like us walking around if we walked around barefoot every day we might get things stuck in there and paws are really great for kind of sucking in things like thorns or a little bit of wood or anything like that and sealing up around it so you might not necessarily see that there's something stuck in the paw but the paw might swell around it so that could form a lump or a bump and that's definitely something that needs veterinary attention I suppose other lumps and bumps we can get swelling um whether that's from a cut or an infection sometimes i suppose what we'd all be worried about deep down if we had particularly maybe a middle-aged to older dog it's more likely we might be worried about a a lump being a mass or a tumor and something a bit more concerning long term i think given that it's distressing your dog we want them to be happy and relaxed and not worried about things i would recommend popping to your vet it'll put your mind at rest and hopefully you'll be able to give your pet some relief um and regardless of what the outcome is i think information is is key and he'll be able to help you kind of with the next steps if they're required or put your mind at ease should that be the yeah, case at least you'll know what the exactly. outcome is at, the end exactly. at that stage uh, Paul wants to know is it too late to train a nine month old border collie he has to be kept in at all times because she bites people we take her out for a walk on a lead and let her out in the yard when it's dark but she won't come back when we call her mm, okay so there's a few things going on here I think Border Collies, particularly, I like what we were saying every day earlier. Every dog is different. Yeah. Um, they're all kind of hardwired to have be- different behavioural traits. Now, Border Collies are kind of a, an interesting section on their own. They're kind of a herding breed, as it were. So they are some of the cleverest of the clever. They'll you know, be able to round up some sheep for you in the, in the classic sense. So they're super clever. That does have the knock on effect that it means that they need a lot of energy to be you know expelled during the day they also need an awful lot of mental stimulation they need to be kept entertained and use that intelligence they have and that can be through play um through socializing with other dogs but i think really the key is safety and i think you've worked really well on that by the sounds of that already you're taking steps to limit any danger to anyone else you say that your dog bites maybe dogs or people i'm not sure and that's very very serious obviously and the safety of everybody involved is paramount I would say that it's it's probably going to be the kind of dog that can't be kept in 100% of the time, but you need to have safety as paramount. But it will need the opportunity to go and expel some of that energy, to see the outside world, to use its brain. I think in this case, this will be something I would say you need to speak to your local vet 
and get a recommendation of who locally is a good, well-qualified dog behaviorist or dog trainer. Because I think in this particular case, if there is some element of aggression involved, whether that be misplaced through fear or whether that's using its kind of herding mentality, as it were, if you imagine border collies snapping at the heels mm-hmm. of sheep to get them to move, it's very similar. Um, I think it does need some professional assistance. So speak to your vet. They'll know who's reliable and well-trained within the area and be able to give you a recommendation for who you could get involved to solve the problem long term. Okay, and very finally, Jer has a pet cat who's slow to go outside. It is an indoor cat, but recently uh, she used to go out and everything was okay. Before Christmas, a hound or a dog or something came to their house and frightened the cat. So now she will only go out to the toilet tray within their house, in their garage, but she won't go outside to go to the toilet. She'll stand at the door Mm -hmm. looking out, but won't actually venture out. And it's slow with the summer coming up in the spring. Obviously, they all want their animals out and you want the, the cat to be enjoying life but mm. they're, they're afraid she just runs back in. Yeah, it sounds like this poor little cat might have got quite the fright, yeah, really. So, yeah. um, there's no easy solution to this. I think what I would say is make sure it's easy for your cat to get back into the house. They need to have that safe haven that they know that they're not going to go outside and let's say you close the door. They won't have a, a way to escape to get back inside. I would say if you don't have a cat flap installed, maybe think about that. Um, you can get very clever ones now which can read the microchip and only let your own cat in as well, oh, which means you won't have a, a neighbour's cat feasting on your food inside. <laughs> very advanced. Um I would say make sure that you either have a cat flap or an easy access to that shed for that cat that wouldn't be accessible by this big dog you might Mm -hmm. have seen around. Um, Time, I think. Time and making sure they have a safe place to go is the key. But there's no way of really convincing your little cat that outside is safe. I think with time and less frights from the dog. That's the only key. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for that, Jane. Uh, That's Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Thanks, Jane. Feet is still Portugal the Man at C103. We had a Richard on earlier from Castletown Road regarding his problem with air. Air had been in touch with us only in the last few minutes to say they are going to make contact with Richard and hopefully we can get that sorted and get his rebate back to him. So that just in the last few minutes from air on people who are paying and want to know how much is a haircut. Well, a person here, no name, but says in Mallow for the last seven years since I moved to Mallow, it's 15 euro for a dry cut. 
Josh and Mary says I have to pay 20 euros for a dry trim with the last two years the country is gone from bad to worse love the show says Mary thank you for that Mary uh, text of WhatsApp to welcome again tomorrow from 10am along with calls to Bernie you can email across the afternoon email jp at c103.ie a lot of comments we didn't get to we'll catch up with those again tomorrow from 10am but enjoy your Thursday afternoon I'm John Paul McNamara thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced Even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.